Welcome to the Apple of Truth, our weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while celebrating the great parts, pointing out the bad parts, and answering questions you never knew you even had. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And we can't wait to share our love and hate for your favorite characters. Today we're talking about season four, episode ten, the finale of season four. Who's the new king of hell? Who's the new king of hell? You're the new king of hell. Seriously, Dromos is surprisingly good with the baby. I wondered where he learned that. I have wondered that in my notes when we're in that scene because what? So, Finale, what's it about? Lucifer tries to go back to normal, but life is still against him. Eve confesses her deeds, Mace is left devastated, Linda and Ames find back together as happy parents, Ella seems to make peace with her faith, and Chloe loses Lucifer after confessing her love to him. There is a lot that happens in this episode. I'm pretty sure this is the longest one that we've had so far. It was like 55 minutes long or something like that, right? It was long, but it wasn't long enough at times. However, I have struggled a little bit with the obsession of the week because there is so many different things to focus on. But what I ended up on is I'm fine. I have getting back to normal because he wants everything to go back to normal in the beginning with Chloe and how they work together. And at the end of the episode, he sadly has to obsess over getting back to his original normal. Hmm. It was really difficult in this one. So I want to say let's count this one as a win. No, this is definitely not the same. I'm fine and getting back to normal. So the final count for the obsession of the week in season four is five out of ten. We are in agreement, which seems seems very fitting for this podcast that half of the time we agree and half of the time we find we talk about something completely different yeah you know what fine i was a little afraid that we're gonna lose this one and i am good with a draw so final time for the facts and funs this season we have six-time director eagle eagleson yay previous credit was a devil of my word one more credit in the future only one only one. 12-time writer Illy herself writes this episode. Her previous credit was someone's been reading Dante's Inferno. Which was the opener, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And she has five more credits coming. The title is said by Father Kingly, leaving us at six out of ten times the title is said by Lucifer, which is a very narrow win for him this season. Of course, there are some fun bits taken from IMDb that I don't want to keep from you. As Maze takes down her hood before the big fight, for a moment her knives resemble devil horns because she takes down her hood with her knives in her Ooh. hands and for a split second. And yes, I did a freeze frame and checked it out and yes, it looks amazing. This was the first episode of Lucifer to feature genuinely graphic violence, such as the stiletto heel jammed into an eyeball. Well deserved. It was very well done. This is also the first time Chloe sees Lucifer's angel wings. It's also the only time they appear in season four. That is true. I'm not really sure because your argument was that she remembers the flip. And I still claim that to be true, but IMDb keeps claiming otherwise. We'll see how it goes in the future. And lastly, Charlie is said to be the first Nephilim, an entirely new being to exist in all of human and angel history. Amenadiel says no one yet knows the rules for such a being. Nevertheless, Amenadiel, Lucifer and the demons are immediately and apparently accurately certain he'll be able to freely and safely travel between heaven, hell and earth with only a little supernatural assistance. How do they know if this is actually the first Nephilim in existence? Because otherwise Remy would have felt it. Hey? No? Maybe? Maybe not? Just creating excuses here. Ah, uh, who knows? And that concludes the IMDb facts and fun parts for this finale. Nice. Whew. So here we are standing in front of the last episode of this season. 
so I just want to say that I focused mainly on the previous episode and I didn't go into too much detail. I could have gone way longer. I chose not to. So, for the last time in season four, previously on Lucifer. Lucy broke up with Eve. She didn't take it well. Mace is helping her deal and falls for her. Eve doesn't notice. Mace finally lets go. Linda has her baby. Ames sees some bad shit and decides to raise baby Charlie in heaven. Dan gets himself sort of straight. Ella has a crisis of faith, Chloe is still by Lucifer's side and Eve kidnaps Kinley with Mace, ends up killing him and raising a demon from hell in his place. Whew, very good summary. Also, Eve did not take it well might be my favorite understatement for this episode. There's the one from like two episodes ago about Daniel, I think, which I don't remember what it was actually, but it was very similar style. You're the queen of understatement. I know. Also procrastination. Well, you can have more than one title. It's like with Digimon, you can have two crests. Never mind. Okay, I'm changing my my nickname in the Discord. I know, you convinced me. Perfect. Let's open this episode with a song slash montage slash dance number. And it is to a song by Kenny Loggins called I'm Alright, which is also happens to be a theme song of Kadishak. And it is the centerpiece of my devils in the music this week. And I did not know or understand what the fuck was going on. Funnily enough, the lyrics of the song are in the Amazon subtitles completely. So obviously we are meant to really understand what the song is about. And I did not get it at all. Especially the song transitions over into the normal precinct and he is completely happy and yaddy yaddy and I felt completely lost with how this fits with the deep emotional relevance of the ending of last episode. So the way I translated it to myself is kudos to Lina for being right and we've talked about this a few times. We seem to see a lot of events from Lucifer's perspective and he's in a really good mood and he's really having like good time being himself and this is a little bit of an over exaggeration of what he's actually doing so the thing we are watching the whole choreographies and the dirty dancing lift of Daniel and he just throws him away where does he throw him he just flies into the sky to visit Charlotte on the farm in the north right and it just feels like this is like an expression of his subconsciousness like he feels like he's dancing he feels like I'm walking on sunshine you know like that could have been also the song everything is great I'm alright I have beaten the evil walking the earth I feel like dancing and in my head I actually am this gave me very very strong crazy ex-girlfriend vibes because the main protagonist there always sees everything happen around her when it's a relevant moment as song and dance Of course, there are some fun facts about this dance sequence that I have to include. Because while this song was your devils in the music, I have some fun tidbits for this song and dance relating to the show. On Twitter, Amy Garcia revealed Tom Ellis was able to perform the dance sequence after just one rehearsal. Tom Ellis suggested the bit where Lucifer tosses Kevin Alejandro into the rafters during the dance sequence. (laughs) Of course. At a fan event, Tom Ellis revealed they filmed a sort of postscriptum to the dance sequence where Dan crashes to the floor after Lucifer leaves the station. (laughs) I am very sad that this did not get included. That would have been so funny. And lastly, a special sleeveless dress shirt was custom made for Tom Ellis to wear under his suit during the dance sequence because the tailored sleeved ones were too tight to allow him to easily and safely raise his arms in them. Behind the scene videos showed he technically could raise his arms, but not without the cufflinks becoming flying projectiles. I feel like I've seen all of this somewhere. I don't know where these tidbits are coming from because I don't remember watching any specific documentary or videos or anything like that but like a lot of things how it got made is just somehow stuck in my brain I don't know I I must have just come across it somewhere I just find it absolutely hilarious (sighs) and we end this beautiful montage with this amazing choreography and seeing Lucifer's fabulous life through his eyes by him arriving to Chloe's table and suddenly the entire mood just drops And Chloe is a warrior. She always worries. And I'm not saying that she is 
wrong, but she is worrying. She just can't stop. I'm gonna get this out of the way here so you can cut out my future complaining. I don't like this and I did not read it in the way the end of the episode tells us how it was meant to be read. I don't understand why she's behaving this way and I don't like it. I call bullshit. Her entire behavior screams her being uncomfortable with him, maybe even being still afraid of him, and it doesn't fit at all with how last episode ended, and it really, really grated on me. I'm gonna try not to be repeato girl on this, but this is one of my main issues with this episode. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. I have thought about it quite a lot as well. There is a few moments. This moment wasn't as grating for me. There are a couple more later in the episode, but I definitely see where you're coming from. Well, we get a little bit of worrying from... (laughs) A little bit of worrying from Chloe. She tries to send Lucifer home and we instead go to somebody else's home. It's Linda's and Maze's home. We see Eve covering up the bloodstain on the floor. Which... Yeah. Did nobody notice that the carpet moved? Or I... What? It was just... Did she roll it away before doing the whole shenanigans? It feels like a very convenient cover-up. But also poor Linda has her mind on very different things. So I can understand how she does not notice it later on. But at some point in the future, I would love to have a callback to Linda going just, what the fuck? I would also expect Mace to notice that, although she is preoccupied quite a lot as well in this scene. And I think that for the first time we get to see through Eve's cracks a little bit, through her facade in this scene, because she is very nervous about the situation, the fact that she just sent this random demon away with assumingly some sort of a task, and then... Mace shows up to bring him back. Like, it is a very stressful situation and you can see how her story isn't really lining up and I'm really glad that Mace notices that something is off. Even though she doesn't specifically call it out, not yet anyway, at least she's not jumping to eight immediately. At least that made me happy. Well, Mace is sticking to the decision she made last episode, so at least there's some continuity there, even if we're missing that in the previous scene. Also, this was confirmation for me that Mace actually lives there, because she explicitly says so. And for me, most importantly, Eve finally catches on that Mace is not okay. She doesn't catch on for the right reasons, but hey, progress is progress! I suppose. Hey, I take the tiny wins that we get. Yeah, we definitely should, especially in this episode. Now, we head over to the hospital with a song by Cave Doll called Round and Around. And Lucifer comes in to visit. And for the first couple of seconds, he takes the baby and for like a little short moment, I'm like, this is very out of character for Lucifer to be so interested in his family. And then he instantly hands it back and I love it. (laughs) And of course, he's not visiting Charlie. He's visiting Linda. Exactly. And the same way, uh, he doesn't bring a gift to Charlie. He's bringing it to Linda. But before we have the gift giving, we have this wonderful conversation about circumcision. Because obviously that has to be what a Menadiel is talking about. Why does Lucifer knows so much about circumcisions? Because he has fucked enough men, both circumcised and not circumcised. Uh, He does mention a source where he's getting it from, so he looked it up for some reason. And I was very thankful that the nurse shows up to give the baby the tracking bracelet, so Charlie doesn't get taken away instantly. So my note went, hmm, what a timing, you random nurse. And then I was like, oh, wait, I just made myself suspicious. And then, of course, we go into the room and have the gift giving. And I love that Linda is her usual skeptical self with Lucifer's proclamation of being done with therapy. And, of course, he goes, if I were still in therapy. I wrote it down. Oh, yeah, go for it. (laughs) Forgiving yourself, it's not as easy as you think. It doesn't happen overnight. If you were still my therapist, I might listen to you. No, you wouldn't. (laughs) 
I love it. She knows so much and she asks what Chloe thinks because she knows that Chloe's opinion is way more valid and realistic than what Lucifer tells her. And also more relevant to Lucifer. Also that. So Linda knows. Linda has much wisdom. Linda knows best. Yes. Hashtag. Someone should rewrite the Tangled song, Mother Knows Best, with Linda Knows Best. I mean, Linda is also a mother now, so, you know, it fits. And if it fits, it sits. Yes. Ahem, <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. We have an amazing transition in the next scene because it starts as this live streaming bit. And then when the whole thing has happened, it moves away and it's on a tablet that Ella is holding. And that was really, really well done. I love it when they do shit like this. Yeah, I kind of expected at the end of the video to the killer just like walking in and do it out in the open not just a sneaky hand stabbing the the guy so i was a little bit surprised but also you know made it more mysterious i suppose did you pay attention to the emojis on the live chat a little bit yeah <laughs> because they change like in the beginning it's all thumbs up and hearts and happy emojis and then there's the wow shocked emoji and then there's a lot of anger and thumbs down and everything when he gets stabbed it's like the thumbs <laughs> down are a bit harsh boo no stabbing it's like no dying on live stream how dare you unfriend unfollow <laughs> basically it's like no i'm not following you anymore you died live on television Gross. that was a bit harsh yeah And yes, as you said, this is a beautiful kind of move over to the crime scene. But my favorite thing about this entire scene is Daniel beatboxing and Ella rapping. It's so funny. Especially with Dan's rapping being so bad and after he stops doing the beatbox. And Chloe being completely oblivious to everything that is happening there. Which is so in character for her. I would have been completely against it if she knew or understood or related to any bit of this. But Ella and Dan are an amazing combination and I'm so glad that their relationship is back to normal because this was a big, big worry. And this is the first moment and then later on when they work together on the case we see it again they are back to their usual selves god they're vibing it's so funny of course lucifer shows up yes beating on the glass detective and doing the hands up move like what the fuck ah lucifer and obviously lucifer jinxes the whole bit because he promises that she will never ever have to look at his devil form again and this is the moment where of course it's instantly clear that by the end of this episode she will have to look at it again he specifically says you never have to see anything monstrous ever again which is ding 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 and then we have the camera pan out and we see not kinley and holla standing and just creepily staring at them from a distance <laughs> and I was just like okay boys calm down and while we wonder what the fuck is going on we have the title card bam crime solving devil it makes sense don't overthink it see they warn us but here we are that it makes sense and we're not supposed to overthink it <laughs> it makes sense why did we start a podcast again <laughs> But we get a song which is a compilation by numerous of artists. I will mention four of them because they were mentioned as the biggest names. It's James Desmond, Panel Kalaye, John Eugenio and John Adams. And the song is called Bang the Heat. And while Bang the Heat is playing we go to... Monopolizes Mansion. Right. M Mono I can't even say that name. His estate. And Lucifer describes it as the rich and tasteless. Of course, he's breaking in. They didn't even knock or anything. He just like decides to break the gate. Classic Lucifer. Classic Lucifer. Immediately, they get shot at. It's America. Stand your ground. And we move the entire conversation inside. And we're following the clues. But I couldn't help it. This scene is just really, really funny. And one of the clues is a demonic pizza car. Demonic pizza car. And I mean, come on. That's kind of awesome. Demonic pizza. That would be a good name for 
pizzeria. Yep. See, I wondered at this moment, because, you know, obviously at this stage we know that this is somehow connected to Kinley's death and his replacement on Earth. And I was wondering who is going to pick up on this fact first, if it's going to be Chloe or Lucifer, who's going to connect the dots. Turns out neither of them. I was more confused how Kinley picked Hola. Yeah, it's a little weird as of how well does Dromos know the Earth if he's so well able to find his way around. Lucifer bent position years ago and... Probably not like five years ago, but hundreds of years ago. It would mean that he might be more informed in order to keep up the torture and stuff like that. But also, it just doesn't really make sense. Like, the only way I could imagine that he found Hola is that he found the stream and he thought to himself, Oh, yeah, this fella is gonna go to hell. And then he just breaks into the studio. But one, how would he find the studio? Two, does he even know how? streaming works. Three, what did the dude say in order for Dromos to know that he's gonna go to hell? It's just one question after another. Like, it doesn't answer anything. It's a big plot hole. There's a bunch of those. But we get revealed that this is sort of where they are going with the case. And then we pop over to the precinct very briefly. And we see the picture that apparently proves that Hola is still alive. So case closed, Lucifer, fuck off and go home. While Chloe actually recognizes Kinley on the picture. So kudos to her for being a super detective. But not kudos to her for going it alone in the next scene. I was so angry. Live it! Why? This fits in my entire repeato complaint. Chloe's behavior in this episode makes absolutely zero sense to me. It's just so weird. It's like she hasn't learned anything. I mean, I would understand it maybe if she thought that Kinley is alone and he's still just an innocent priest who got mixed up with something. But she literally knows that there is supernatural. She literally knows that there is a man who seemingly woke up from the dead accompanying Kinley, even if Kinley is still Kinley, this does not ring safe. Come on. Or true for Chloe. This was very out of character for me. And I was very thankful that she runs into Mace there. Same. And I was also very thankful that Mace instantly catches on what the fuck is going on. Because this was for me the, the biggest worrying point that they were gonna drag on the oh, it's still Hola and Kingly. No, someone relevant who can actually do something about the situation is now in the know that it's a demon situation. Same. Pretty much like you would have seen my notes in this moment. This is the point when I was like, before I was like, mm, who's gonna catch up on this first? It's actually Mace. But it absolutely makes sense because she is the one who introduces the fact that demons can possess people in the first place. I have to continue with the complaining, but it's just a tiny complaint and it's combined with liking it. We go into Lux. I assume we have a song. Yes, it is called Deja Vu by The Delta Mode. That's a beautiful title for the meeting of Lucifer and Dromos. I found the Dromos hugging Lucifer very, very cute and it was very sweet to see how emotional he got, but a demon would not hug his king. Yes, I agree with you, yeah. No matter how much he missed him or even what their previous relationship was, no. If you want to know more about Dromos and who Dromos in the comics is, listen to my devils in the details and then it's gonna make even less sense. What I really enjoyed is that Lucifer recognizes Dromos in the meat suit. Yes, it takes him a second, but when he really looks at him, he knows who he's talking to. So this just kind of proves to us that even if a uh, soul or anything wears a meat suit, they can recognize them. I have a tiny tidbit for the other demon, who is called Squee. Squee is a fucking weird name. According to IMDb, he is named after the character Squee in the comic book Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Lovely. Sounds like a beautiful comic book. Mm-hmm. And we get this tiny little moment of a little callback to season one where one of the girls that is next to them when they have the conversation is like, oh, is this one of those priest walks into a bar jokes? I love those. And I would be very much surprised if this was not a direct callback to one of the best episodes of this entire show so far. Priest walks into a bar. We still miss Father Frank. 
He is so cool. But now we go back to church and I was so thankful that Mace is instantly telling Chloe about the demon business and the whole possession stuff. Because it would have been an option for Mace to not share. I like this. I like that we do not drag it out. I like that Mace is confiding in Chloe. And I like that Chloe is handling it quite well. Yes. Sorry, so I actually skipped the joke comes back in the next scene back in Lux. But I was actually convinced that Lucifer is just gonna let it go because it feels like it has been said so many times that Lucifer is gonna be pissed about the possession that I felt like this is directly pointing us to expect this. So what I expected was the opposite, that he is gonna be way too lax about it and he won't give a fuck. Then I was surprised because he was actually pissed. We go back to Lucifer and to the priest joke now with a new song for Lux called Oh 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 by Hamsters and Serena Foster. I adore Graham McTavish making fun of his own accent. That was so fucking hilarious. I got a stupid accent. Makes me sound like a pirate. You know what? This is also the moment where I written down that Dromos is so extremely different from Kinley. Massive, massive props to Graham McTavish because he is incredible. Also, Dromos is surprisingly likable because he seems so sad that there is no king in hell and he really seems to miss Lucifer as king of hell. And I kind of feel bad for him. He's kind of huggable at this moment, right? 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 And then Lucifer does this non-caring attitude where he anoints Dromos, the new king of hell, with a random human reference. By the power of Grayskull, I make you the new king of hell or something. And it's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And thankfully, there is a reason this cannot work because the king of hell needs to be an angel. And again, I say, but why? This episode leaves me hanging so often with, but why? It feels like the exact same rule as angels can't kill humans but why who said that did that say that no no angels are not supposed to kill humans there will be consequences when they do this sounds to me like there is no option for an anything else but an angel to be king of hell and then we have this attitude of lucifer's that is so similar to the dynamic that used to be between him and mace and it just feels like he doesn't feel that demons are worthy of anything you know like they're beneath him to talk to them and it's just a really strong vibe that i used to get from him dealing with mace you know of course you're here because you're my servant back in season one yeah but lucifer with mace was very different than him with dromos he took mace for granted dromos is basically a cockroach there's a very different vibe it reminded me of that anyway he's being a major dick to dromos that we can agree on and i don't understand why it's just not worth his time but but then Dramos finally does something that warrants being treated badly. He is going to stay on Earth because he never tortured a life one. And Lucifer flips into zero chill mode and goes right into his face and he does a great devil voice. And I wish they would have kept this voice at the very end of the episode and not the bullshit changed one. They do, but they don't. Like, they do, but when he transforms they have a new one. But yeah, you're right. It would have been so much better. This voice here is amazing. It's so good. And like, this is something that he didn't really do before, right? This is like a new thing. And I'm here for it. Oh, hell yeah. It's <laughs> hot. Yeah. Hot. And so I was very disappointed at the end of this episode when the CGI devil gets the distorted voice. Yeah. Do you know what I was disappointed about, though? No. The fact that Lucifer is fucking stupid and tells Dromos about Charlie. Why? Why would he mention that he has a nephew? You're absolutely right. I didn't clock it in that moment that it's stupid as fuck. See, that's the thing. It feels like he doesn't see him as a threat so he doesn't think about what he's saying but like there is absolutely zero reason for him to mention that he has a nephew so everything that happens from now onwards to Charlie and with Charlie is on Lucifer's head technically yeah like you said he doesn't count Dramos as a threat so he doesn't guard his words basically mm. no that he does with anybody else but <laughs> enough with Dramos sadly because we have 
have to go to the plot line I did not care about, but it's really relevant to this episode. We hate Ames. We don't hate Ames, but this was very drawn out with the, oh, when is the moment going to be where he actually can take the baby? And Linda being this, as she puts it herself, helicoptery. I was just exhausted. This is the, yet again, another moment of them really hammering down that Linda is so happy and she loves the child so much and she's ecstatic about this new family and everything and Ames having these moments of facial expression no I'm gonna take him away oh but she loves him so much and this will destroy her no but I need to take him away and just you know having this constant struggle in his face which props acting wise you could see every single thing and thought that goes through his head but I was like is he doubting is he not doubting what is happening he's like and then Linda finally decides to go to sleep and as she's leaving he gives us this really hard like a decision face and I'm like okay so maybe he didn't doubt enough so he will take Charlie and I was just all over the place and then of course Linda drops the line about the night nurse and I'm just sitting there how did this not come up before you guys spent all your time together taking care of the baby but you didn't mention getting a night nurse for for the first night back home after giving birth. I mean, I don't have a child and I don't plan on, but if I had a child, if I was pregnant, I'd be kind of planning out the first few days at home way in advance. And Linda is like me, a prepper. In fairness, Charlie was born a little early, but still, you're right. This doesn't really make much sense. So I was annoyed by this. But of course, we are supposed to be entertained by the will he, won't he shenanigans. And of course, it has to be set up that we are willing to blame a Manadiel later on. Mm -hmm. So the next scene is back in the penthouse. And this is yet another moment when I get completely confused because we enter penthouse and Lucifer is in his robe and it's not the middle of the day. So it's like middle of the night because night nurse and everything. So time-wise, okay, but he just had a conversation with two demons and then he decides to go take a nap on his couch in his underwear? Okay. Timing-wise, this entire season is so fucked up. It's all over the place. And my pseudo-OCD consistency heart is suffering. You know what? We have the very detailed timeline pinned in our Discord, so we might want to take a look at season four there, because... For the summoning, yes. Yeah, I am very curious about this. But he wakes up with Chloe and Mace walking in, and he says, you can't be dreaming, you're both dressed. Which tells me everything I need to know. Mwah. <laughs> Chef's kiss. And then uh, they dropped a not so effective bomb on him about the demons because he, of course, already talked to them. Then he mentions Dromos and Squee, hardly the brightest bulbs in the Hell's Chandelier, which that's such a great comparison. I <laughs> just, I love it. Perfect wording. Some people just have a way with words. And of course, Maze and Lucifer agree on everyone hates Squee, which also tells me everything I need to know about Squee. But once again, Chloe's behaving in a very unchloe way. She's trying to get Lucifer to leave the city and it's annoying. And then at the end of the scene, we all decide to go to Linda's. Hey, well, we, we decide to go to Linda's. Chloe gets a phone call or a text message and then she says we need to go to Linda's. So she clearly gets an alert about a situation. Oh, okay. So basically it's like you need to go there. The baby is gone. Or yes. Something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So one of my but whys is answered. Yay. I'm so proud of us. So immediately, as you said, this was set up this way and it actually made me doubt, did Aminadiel actually take the baby? Same, because it was so explicitly set up that it felt too obvious and thus can't be this way. Yeah, I don't know. It was a, this is a very brief moment when we are at Linda's house this time, but it is enough for me to just go in all caps, what the fuck happened? Did he actually take him? And then just move on to the priest where again very briefly we see that everybody is looking for Charlie and everybody is trying to come up with alternatives that it is 
entirely possible that Ames does have the child, but he's not picking up his phone. And also we learned that the family cancelled the nurse, which implies Emmanuel cancelled the nurse. I don't understand because the way this is set up, it says he's not picking up his phone. So I didn't understand why, why he wasn't. Because I'm sure that he would have a million calls from Linda by now. You know, why wouldn't he answer a fucking phone? Unless he's in heaven, where clearly service doesn't really go up there. So, you know, it was just... This is just set up directly for us to believe that Ames is the culprit. And it's a bit lazy for Lucifer's writing standards. And again, this is an Ildi episode. I expect better from her. You're right. And then we finally go back to Linda's house to watch Lucifer connect everything. Took him long enough. I know, right? He's preoccupied by his own being fineness and going back to normalness. He finally connects the dots and comes up to Linda and tells her about Emmanuel's plan. And it's perfect timing because once he finishes his explanation, Emmanuel comes in and Linda wails on him. How could you? How dare you? And she's like, Slaps him and she hits him and I love it. Seriously, Rachel Harris is killing this. Even in the previous scene with her devastation that her baby is gone and here with her anger and then with the fear when it becomes clear that Amenadiel did not take the baby. It's as painful as this situation is supposed to feel for us. It is great to see her getting the range to play out. Mm Mm-hmm. She is a very leveled character. So it's nice to see her stretch her acting wings. Well, I felt extremely vindicated in this scene because it turns out that I knew that Ames is having doubts about the situation. But of course, then I was like, oh yeah, but that of course means that Charlie really is missing. (laughs) And you ever could have taken him. But before we learn that, we have the phone call with Dan and Ella, who are together on the case... And this is not the first time that we have the two of them at the precinct dealing with the case while Chloe and Lucifer are on site somewhere. And I really, really love this dynamic, I have to say. Yeah, and then Ella, because nobody else is going to do it for her, Ella helps herself through the crisis of faith that she's been having. She says, I don't think it's right for me to base my faith on whether everything is good and unicorns and ice cream, which is like the most beautiful description ever. I don't think it's God's job to stop the bad. I actually think he's there to give us the strength to get through it. And yes, of course, this is something Ella would say. This is exactly something that Ella needed to hear ages ago. And I'm glad that Ella is finally hearing it. What is disappointing is that it's from her own face. Because nobody else took the time. I am extremely unsatisfied with this. Same. This does not feel deserved. Both Chloe and Ella are my main issues with this episode. You know what? I love where we end up. I don't like the process of how we got there. Because I find the way they're so disappointing, I cannot enjoy the result. That is your right. And also it's very me. But yay, they talk, we have information and now we know the demons have the baby. And this is the moment where I ask another but why, which of course later on gets answered. But here I assumed, is this going to be, let's put a child on the throne so we can be the actual rulers. How is this going to work with a literal baby? We go over into the church and the demons are making more meat suits. And while this is happening in the background, very nicely done with the confessional in the church. We, of course, get Kinley talking to the baby and he has the title drop line. Who's the new king of hell? Who's the new king of hell? It's like, why do people talk like that to babies? Because they're cute. I actually understand that because this is how I talk to animals. So I can relate. Who's my little baby? My little baby kitten. Look at her. She's not here right now, but this is how I talk to her sometimes. Your poor cat. Nah, she deserves it. I have nothing else for the church. Yeah, there's not really much else happening there. So we head to precinct. And after a little bit of a conversation there, Chloe suggests to Lucifer that they will tell Ella and Dan about the divine truth. But Lucifer is right. On one hand, yes, of course, it would be much easier if they knew so they could join us because numbers, strength, 
whatever. But Lucifer is absolutely correct. This is not easy to get over. We've seen it on multiple occasions throughout the show. People don't just deal with it immediately. Regardless of how much time they get, everybody needs some time and they don't have time. Also, they're just humans. There's not much they can actually do to help with the demons. For me, the best part about this scene is that Lucifer literally says that there are more important things than himself. And (laughs) half a second later says, it's all about me! Yeah, classic. That was just pure perfection. And back to the church we go. Eve shows up and I completely forgot about her. I get so much into the story. I was like, oh, yeah, she's here. And turns out she is a part of this and she is the mastermind. Yeah, she's the one who motivated Dromos to do what he did, to approach Lucifer and talk to him. However, she is no longer in charge of the plan, as she finds out very, very quickly. But she's also very much herself that she instantly tries to step in with the baby being in danger. Exactly. Immediately her mother reflex kicks in when she sees or hears the baby. And then uh, I have a question and I think I know the answer, but I have a question. Why didn't they kill her and possessed her? Because her body was made by God. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. That would be my assumption. I had not realized how tiny Inbar is next to Graham. She's tiny next to everybody. But especially next to him, because especially with the leather outfit he's wearing, he looks even bigger and she is next to him in this dress and she looks completely tiny. And I found that very fitting. And also we have the Dutch angle for this moment. So it was all very dramatic. Also, I would like to point out that the fact that she finds him through Find My Phone app is absolutely fucking hilarious. She is tech savvy. That she is. Ah... And then we enter penthouse. How often did the penthouse get trashed in this show? Lucifer really needs to get a fucking lock on his door. You know, I was like, this is not such a bad plan on supposedly not that smart Dromos. Because if they obviously found out about the vial from Kinley originally, the fact that they go and look for it in the penthouse, the fact that they connect that he might still have it. You know, a lot of these things, it's not stupid. It's a good plan. But it is utterly stupid by Lucifer to keep the vial. Well, of course. I mean, I kind of understand his argumentation because if it can kill slash knock out the devil, what the fuck is it? So you can't just essentially throw it away. You have an angelic brother who got his wings back, so give it to him and let him get rid of it. Or, you know, slice open a space vagina and throw it into a different universe. Not an option. We don't have the slicing tool for the space vagina anymore. I know. Shame. Shame. So many things would be so much easier if we had Azrael's blade. So many things. But we have Azrael, so you know, at least that. We had her once, that's not enough. Lucifer is catching on that, oh no, the vial is missing. Oh no, Charlie is missing. He connects the bits. And while he connects the bits, Eve shows up and she comes clean, which I did not expect. That was a little surprising. And then she goes, it seemed like a good idea at the time. I was just like, piss off. And then they do this thing that they sometimes do where they say exactly what I have been saying for a while. They call her selfish and naive. And this is exactly what she has been the last episode. And so I was very, very satisfied that they call it out explicitly. Not they, specifically Chloe. I mean, they as the writers. Yeah, 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 yeah. We then catch on regarding where this is going to happen with the Mayan. And Lucifer calls it an oxymoronic venue, which is such a great phrase. Perfect one. Lucifer... The way he is behaving towards Chloe is very dismissive. And you have this feeling that he is ready to move on. He doesn't want to engage too much on emotional level because he is making the peace with the fact that this is not going to go anywhere because she is terrified of him and this is not going to change. But you also, for the first time, I finally see the glimpses of, but I want to tell you that this is not true. I am actually ready and I'm actually no longer afraid of you. So my last note on this situation is that you better be fucking sure, Chloe, that this is what you want to do because you cannot 
do this to Lucifer and then change your mind. I was completely against her joining in because as they also point out in the next scene, it makes no sense that she's close because vulnerability. But before we leave, Lucifer tells off Eve very, very harshly and very, very clearly. And I was hoping that maybe this is going to be the moment that snaps her out of it. And we have a few in-between moments, but I think that the second she realizes Charlie got taken because of her actions is when her getting out of her naive and selfish headspace journey starts. And it's kind of sad that a child's life had to be in danger for her to get over this. But hey, at least she is getting somewhere. Exactly. We have to take the little victories. Listen to Charlotte. We go over to the Mayan and I have a tidbit from IMDb about the Mayan. Because the Mayan is an actual vintage theater in downtown Los Angeles. Built in 1927, it was a legitimate theater and movie house before its current incarnation as a nightclub and concert venue. It is designated as a historic cultural monument and has been used as a location for several movies and TV shows, notably The Bodyguard and Rock and Roll High School. Cool. So we are directly inside at the beginning and this is the moment where I wondered how the fuck Dromos knows so much about babies. There is a great word that has been already mentioned. Dromos also feels very oxymoronic because on one hand, he's this really soft and nice lad who knows how to take care of babies and he has this weird softness towards Charlie. But then he's so rough and tough with everybody around him and it's just dude you are scary but also you're so soft we also have now quite a big number of demons hanging around there so that is not boding well for our team and we cut to the outside and finally someone is pointing out chloe you actually cannot come in there with us because lucifer would be vulnerable exactly but thankfully lucifer does not have to make it by himself because Eve shows up to make it right. She has this realization, I have just been missing the person I was when I was with you. To which I say, girl, timing, not now, not here. They're talking for so long. There is a baby about to die inside and they're just having conversations outside. What the fuck? This is like the most infuriating trope on all television. No, the thing is they have to wait anyway because Mace and Amenadiel are not there yet. So they are using the time as well as possible. And it makes sense that they have a non-fighter with them to take Charlie and run out as quickly as possible. So it's good that they have a normie basically with them. This is what I noticed only after they actually do it later on in, in the scene. So in this moment it was just like, what does she have so many special powers or something? Is she gonna make them like her so they what? No she has to right her wrong basically and then of course Amenadiel shows up with a mace in his arms which was very very funny because Mace is so annoyed that she had to be carried <laughs> and of course Mace is not happy that Eve is here. She goes what are you doing here? And that was a bit painful. I mean it's very important but well this is also where they could have had this discussion afterwards again just you know hanging outside having a conversation but lucifer luckily stops this at the start and says uh, we need all the help we can get i 100 percent agree and they finally head on inside and there's one note i'm gonna put out there and then i'm gonna have a song i for the first time actually noticed the altar it's so fascinating seeing the mayan style and then you just have a car and a dollar sign and like random stuff like that on it it's just like weirdly disturbing to me to see a combination of these things but as mentioned previously this is like a perfect combination for them anyway so as they call them on my favorite music website team lucifer as they walk in we hear the first out of the two songs of the scene called the legend begins by more a repeat artist 
and Silverberg. That's a really nice title. Oh yeah, just wait for the second one. This show wouldn't be its usual self if we didn't get some quipping. And Lucifer tells of drummers, don't you know, breast is best. When they first start walking in, we get this really beautiful shot of the four of them getting in from like different entrances and walking into the room when Lucifer like walks in with the line and it's just so fucking well done. What I don't understand is how the demons do not seem to be terrified of Mace and Amenadiel. I mean, I get that they seem to think Lucifer has gone soft or something, but Mace was Hell's most capable torturer. They should be terrified of her and Amenadiel is Heaven's best soldier. Not to mention, and this is something that I noted in a second as well, they must know they literally cannot hurt neither Amenadiel or Lucifer. Or Mace. They can hurt Mace. No, demons don't feel pain. Except for Mace, because Mace is in her own flesh. Oh, right. Yeah, true. But even so, earthly weapons can hurt Mace. They cannot hurt Lucifer unless Chloe's around or Amenadiel in his current form at all. So, you know, they're just fighting them for the sake of fighting. Maybe they also have demon knives? Which would be surprising because they're not physically there. Yeah, like I said, it makes no sense that they're not scared. Sadly, the not making sense continues on because Eve tries to take the baby and then she gets holed up with Kinley and she kicks him in the balls and he falls. He should not feel this. He should not feel this. That's true. So just when the fight starts, I'm going to throw in the second song because the music changes when Amenadiel and Mace run towards the fucking demons. And it is by 310 and it's called Heroes and Legends. So we have the legend begins and heroes and legends. And of course, Mace starts cleaning up. And holy So good! This looks like so much fun. I mean, of course, stunt choreographies are always a lot of time and effort and you have to learn them and you have to put in a lot of training and everything. But this looks so amazing. It's beautiful. What I love about this and Lucifer in general, you can tell that each of the fighters, each of the characters have their own fighting style and the choreographies are not just some generic fights. They are directly tailored to the character. It's just beautiful. And they get better and better every single episode. We cut outside with Eve because she's trying to save the baby. But alas, the third turned demon steps outside and threatens to take the baby from her. But rescue comes in the form of Chloe and she unloads an entire clip into that demon and it doesn't do shit. Then they try to knock the demon out with pole thingy, like that's standing outside. Oh yeah, it's one of those stands that, that holds up the windbreakers or the ropes and stuff. Those fuckers can be really heavy, by the way. I'm still shocked that Chloe was even able to lift it above her head because those fuckers heavy. She probably lifts in her free time. Maybe that's her hobby. <laughs> But still, this is not enough and she manages to knock her down, but Eve kills her with a heel to the brain because demons require a little more oomph to be killed, just as Lucifer said. Clearly. And then sadly, I have to do another complaint moment because we cut back to the inside where Team Lucifer has been victorious and Chloe walks in and I'm like, why would you do this? I know! Are you completely dumb? And this is so annoying because usually Chloe is so way above average in everything she does. And in this episode, she feels so below anything resembling competence. When you think about this, normally Chloe is the most controlled human being on the entire show. She thinks every single thing through and she makes sure that whatever she does is a choice. It feels like she is controlled by fucking hormones in this. I just wanted to make sure that you're okay because it sounded like you're winning. You know that he can literally die if you show up there. Normally, Chloe would never make this decision. That's the problem. Yeah, and we've seen her behave amazingly and hugely competent under all kinds of stress, even after learning about the divine and everything. So I call fucking bullshit on this and this is really, really annoying me. 
I didn't care about this as much before I liked Chloe. Now that I like Chloe, this is really grinding on me. Yeah. And so the demons show up. They hold on Chloe. She reaches to Lucifer. It's so overly dramatic and I didn't care for it at all. And Lucifer has enough changes into full-on demon form and does the really, really bad, cheesy, pseudo-scary voice. Hey, it works. If it works, it works. And it stops and they all fall down by leaving behind their bodies. I want to point out one more thing and we've mentioned the voice before but I just want to point it out again in this scene because we really focused on Chloe and I don't want to do that. When she comes in, Lucifer is clearly holding back. And he has this raspy voice. From the beginning, that he had when he confronted Dromos in Lux. The amazing voice. As I said, we did mention it before, but I just want to point it out again because it's so consistent and so really well done. And it's something that Tom Ellis, this is a choice that he started making in this episode and this episode only. And I really, 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 really enjoy it. It really helps to the whole, I don't want you to see me like this but I am a sliver away from turning into my devil form. And it really sells it for me. So, you know, I understand that what's coming from Chloe is slightly uncomfortable and I have an issue with it, but in the dynamic of what Lucifer is bringing in, I'm on board. So I just wanted to point this out so we don't have just negative things said about this. And of course, Lucifer broke his promise. Chloe had to see his monstrous form and he feels really bad about this. But before we deal with that, we cut back outside and we see Eve with Mace. Eve finally is barefoot because this entire scene, she was wearing heeled sandals, which... Is so utterly stupid, but oh well. And now, after everything is done, she's barefoot. Because she used her one shoe on that eye socket, which is also the only reason why she was running around in fucking heels the entire time. But still, <clears throat> sensible shoe wear. So at the beginning of this scene, we are getting into the second last song of this entire episode. It's this very emotional, kind of a drawn-out, slow song that plays underneath Eve's and Mace's conversation. And it kind of takes us through... The montage of the other characters as well and it's called hallelujah by fvrdrms which <laughs> because i'm so cool and hip i could read as fever dreams Yay. hair flip look at me go eve finally caught on what is going on with mace and as much as this pains me because i feel for mace i was very happy that eve has now reached this point of self-realization that she needs to know herself first before she can actually be with someone else. But my heart hurts for Mace and Eve touching Mace and then leaving and Mace looking after her. Seriously is the moment that got me the most emotional in the entire episode. I didn't care about Charlie, the ending we're gonna talk about in a moment. This is what's got me and Leslie Ann really sells Mace's emotional evolution throughout this and the previous episodes. <sighs> yeah, I pretty much have the same notes on this moment. If this relationship is going to have a chance Eve needs to do this because otherwise she's gonna fall into the same pattern over and over and over again and I appreciate that she recognizes that even though we've been telling her since episode one sorry no episode three which is when she shows up well we move on to a little bit of a montage type of a thing we pop to the precinct to see Ella taking out the cross and putting it back on because she told herself back into faith and as I've already mentioned I am really happy for her and I'm really angry for everybody else for not helping her through this that she self-guided herself through the issue that she had the entire season. She self-guided herself? Yeah, shut up, it makes sense. And then we look at Dan, and Dan is looking at picture of Charlotte. He is starting a journey towards healing, is my takeaway from the situation. And it has been visible in the entire episode, the way he interacts with others, the way he interacts with Chloe, with Lucifer, even by proxy, and with Ella, of course. So Dan is going to put in the work that is necessary to do the healing, and it's very sweet, and I believe this character evolution. Unlike Ella with Dan, I am fully on board that this is coherent and matching for the character. And the, finally the last one, we get 
to see Linda and Amadeo. And they get Charlie back and she says, you're right, take him, take him to heaven, he is not safe here. And Ames recognizes that his own son will never be safer anywhere where his parents are not. Basically, Linda does the classic, if you truly love someone you have to be willing to let them go if it's truly the best for them. And because she is willing to make this immense emotional sacrifice for her son, Amenadiel finally realizes that if she's willing to go to this extreme length, she is going to be willing to do everything. And no one else in the entirety of heaven, earth or hell is going to be willing to do more for Charlie. So yay, we have a happy family! Wee. But the time has come for Lucifer to face the music. Here we come with the last song of the episode that is kind of sneaking in. It's one of my favorites in the episode. It's very depressing, as I like my music to be. It's called My Love Will Never Die by A.G. and Claire Windham. And we see Lucifer to be the most unselfish he's been in forever. He realizes that right now there is only one thing he can do if he wants to keep anybody safe. And why I'm saying the most unselfish, because this is not directly affecting just Chloe or himself. This is directly affecting wider amount of people around him. And he realizes that the only way to protect them is to remove himself from Earth and go back to his responsibilities in hell. And it hurts. I did not read this as he is unselfish or he is not hyper-focused on Chloe because he starts out his argumentation with we don't know where they can, where they would come next and nobody would be safe. He ends with the focus on Chloe because that is always going to be his focus point. And if it wasn't for Chloe and if it wasn't for the fact that he's in love with Chloe, he would not go back to hell. So I did not read this as unselfish in a sense of the greater good, the greater good. but this is unselfish for Chloe because Chloe is and probably always will be the one relevant part. He decides that he has to go back to hell because he needs to get hell in order and make sure that no demons come to earth. And I say, yeah, so what? He could do shared hell duties with a Menadiel. He could do co-parenting hell and they could take turns. Basically, one week a Menadiel sits on the throne and one week Lucifer sits on the throne. So this way hell would be managed and they could just spend time with their significant other or family on the off time. It would be like a long distance relationship. Yeah. So Chloe professes her love. She actually says, I am in love with you. And I think that Lucifer's response is as close to I love you too as it could possibly get without actually saying the words. He says, my first love was never Eve. It was you, Chloe. It always has been. So he literally says, you are my first love. Which is, in my opinion, the same as saying I love you. Exactly. So they profess their feelings to each other. Then his angel wings pop out. And excuse me, how does nobody addresses the fact that suddenly he has angel wings again? Because it's obvious that he has angel wings again. Because he's now doing the biggest self-sacrifice that he can possibly do. But she doesn't even... She doesn't even say, <gasps> why should she? She is struggling with emotions that he's leaving her. The thing she supposedly was afraid of the entire episode. I don't know. I just feel like if I saw somebody wearing red hair and then suddenly their hair would be white, I would probably notice. Girl, she has seen full on devil form now twice. There is nothing that is gonna face Chloe. To me, it made sense. The white angel wings pop out. We have this. Ooh, oh, this is so dramatic. I was really, really disappointed that this did not work for me at all because of how she behaved this entire episode. Because at the end of last episode, I knew how the season was going to end. But I had completely forgotten how we get there in detail. And at the end of last episode, this moment would have gotten me emotional. Very emotional. But now I was just kind of... And then we get the most beautiful thing ever. We get to see Lucifer sitting on the throne. This is the first time we see hell without the distortion effect. And question, does the king of hell have to be an angel because you need wings to sit on the throne? <laughs> yes, let's go with yes. <laughs> 
Because if yes, there's no way they would have been able to put Charlie on the throne. He would just have fallen off. <laughs> Babies don't just fall off things. Oh, yes, they do. And so, of course, we see Lucifer in his fancy, fancy suit. And he's sitting on his throne, residing over hell. And this is how we end. And there is a little detail of his outfit. He is wearing a black suit with white shirt. And he has this red pocket square and red soles of his shoes. And otherwise, he's in all black and white. And it's beautiful. And yes, this is how we end this episode and this season. So, what a finale. I'm pretty sure we wrapped up everything very nice and neat. Am I right? Dan has gotten over his hate bump. Ella has helped herself back to the big guy. Ames finally decided that he can't take Charlie away from Linda. You know, all the good things. All boxes are checked. And then even with the big events, like Eve finally realizing what was wrong with her relationship and what we've been telling her the entire time and Lucifer doing something not so selfish for a change and throughout all this Chloe got very believably over her fear and accepted Lucifer for who he actually is. You know what, even though this episode was nearly an hour long, it still felt very rushed at times. But then again, this is season four we're talking about. This is so on brand. So I like the ending. I kind of like how they got there for most parts. Yes, of course, there are minor details that I'd like to see like a little bit more about Eve and a little more details about Chloe's journey because she really did seem very dumbed down this episode, especially in the Mayan scene. So, you know, the little details would be nice. But here we are. It really shows that this season only had 10 episodes. This episode was rushed. All of the episodes were kind of rushed. The timeline felt completely out of whack in parts. Some character developments felt super compressed. So those are all things that we are probably going to be talking about in the summoning episode. So check that one out. In regards to just this one episode... Lucifer being back in hell to save the world, or rather, especially Chloe, makes sense to me, but it also annoys the fuck out of me. I did not read Chloe's behavior as scared of losing Lucifer, I simply read her as being scared of Lucifer. And their parting did not hit me as much emotionally as it was probably meant to. While I'm glad that Eve is now finally on the I need to know and love myself first before I can be with someone else train, I heard a lot from Mace and I truly hope Lucifer leaving her behind with apparently not a single word to her is not going to completely fuck her up because she basically got broken up with Eve without being together with her and abandoned by Lucifer even though they didn't have as close a relationship anymore. It's still a lot for her to handle especially with her sudden vulnerability and emotions and I really do hope that she finds a way to verbalize this and hopefully work through it with Linda. I am extremely unsatisfied with Ella's arc this season and if her faith is now simply back I am going to be complaining a lot in season 5 so for all of our sake I hope they fix this please do this for my sanity Dan seems to be on the way to proper healing and I am very glad to have my best boy back on the top of my list the whole Charlie situation is still utterly irrelevant to me but I am glad that Linda did not get her heart broken by a man deals betrayal obviously next season Lucifer will have to return to earth somehow so that our usual formula can continue in some way but how they're going to fix the hell needs an angel king i am actually very curious because we talked about this i do not share vero's opinion on why this rule exists so let's see if season five answers all the questions that we have and with this we say thank you for listening please Find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you, either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch and hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really do help. Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.